today on Locked On Mariners. The host wonders if he will ever get back on track and publish a show on time anymore. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. When I switched to doing afternoon shows, I stated that, that I had hoped to get these episodes up by three, and that hasn't happened pretty much at all this week, has it? I'm crossing my fingers that next week will be a little better in that regard. It also honestly doesn't help that we're discussing a really lousy game here today on Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Why'd I say it like that? Please remember to download, follow, download and follow this program on whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any program here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All you gotta do is say, hey smart device, play Locked On Mariners podcast. I think you gotta use the word podcast in there, otherwise it'll pl- try to play some song. Of, so, what am I talking about? Uh, gang, shows like this are honestly a little bit more difficult where we have an absolute clunker of a game to talk about. Locked On Mariners contributor John Miller will be here uh, later on. We're going to bring him in right before the trivia corner. And then for the rest of the show, we're not going to talk about this game, but I got to, you know, I got to talk about it. Chef, uh, Justice Sheffield was not sharp again. The Twins jumped on the fastball early. They're a good fastball hitting team. And he left, uh, you know, quite a few fastballs out over the plate, particularly in the first inning. And the Twins set the tone within the first couple of hitters. Jorge Polanco led off the game with a double, and he was driven in by a Josh Donaldson single in short order. One to nothing the score after two hitters, and you got the feeling as if as if this was not going to be the Mariners' day. The pitching coach came out to tell uh, Chef to mix out his change and his slider. But he didn't have the feel for either of them last night, as he really hasn't all season. He was still leaving balls out over the plate, and the Twins scored later in the first inning on a Ryan Jeffers RBI single. Uh, Miguel Sano, I almost said Robinson Sano, but that's not right. Miguel Sano grounded into a double play to end the inning, so it could have been a lot worse. Thank goodness it was not. The Twins did go down 1-2-3 in the second, but Sheff got into two 2-2 counts and a full count, so he needed a lot of pitches to get through that inning. And the third started pretty similarly to the first, with Polanco hitting a single. Willens Ostadio walking. He had replaced Josh Donaldson at third base with an injury. After a half inning or one inning, I don't I'm not, I don't remember. Anyways, uh, Polanco was then driven in on an RBI ground out. The walk to Ostadio was a four-pitch walk. And he had not walked in a Major League Baseball game since September 29th, 2019. He had seven career walks prior to last night in 436 plate appearances. It's not easy to walk him, and Justice Sheffield managed to do it twice. (laughs) So, there you go. The fifth inning was another bad one. Uh, Polanco again. When Polanco leads off an inning, I guess bad things happen to the opposition. He led off the fifth with a double. Ostadio's second walk followed. And then Nelson Cruz deposited a home run ball into the upper deck in left field. No doubt about that one, gang. And at that time, you really felt as if the game was over. As a matter of fact, I turned it off and I didn't turn. I didn't. Uh, li- I wound up listening to the rest of the game when I got to the gym. It was the eighth inning by that time. Um, I had to call my mother. I needed to check and have it 
talked to her in a while. She's doing fine, ladies and gentlemen. In any case, um, an- there was another fifth inning home run. Ryan Jeffers hit a solo job, one batter after Cruz's bomb. For the day, Justice Sheffield uh, pitched five innings, gave up seven runs. They were all earned. Two walks, both of them to Willens Ostadio. Two home runs and four strikeouts. His ERA for the season is now 565. Will Vest and Rafael Montero both pitched scoreless innings, and Hector Santiago closed out the game with two scoreless innings, and they were noting on radio that he gets the ball and throws it, does not waste any time between pitches, and those pitchers I really appreciate. I'm glad he's a part of the Mariners. On the offensive side of the ball, Mitch Hanniger was back. He was DHing and hitting third. Ace Fraley remained in the number two hole. He's been red hot lately, ladies and gentlemen, even though neither of them had particularly good games last night. I believe Maniger went uh, one for four, and Ace did not reach base. So he was not the ace of base last night. That just popped into my head, and I wish it hadn't. The the Mariners did not get anything started until the fourth inning. J.P. Crawford led off with a single on a very good piece of hitting, drove the ball the other way once again. He's another Mariner who's been red hot lately, but he was immediately erased on a double play. Mariners only got five hits all game, but they, for the most part, actually made them count. Only two runners were left on base for the Mariners all game. In the fifth inning, Ty France hit a one-out double, and then he was driven in by Shedlong Jr. on a single. And in the seventh, Manninger led off with the single. He was wild pitched to second base and advanced to third on a Kyle Seeger ground out. So at least that out was productive. Ty France then stepped up to hit a sacrifice fly. Score was 7-2 at that uh, point, and that was pretty much it. Mariners did not walk at all, in, in addition to only gaining five hits, and they struck out 11 times. Starting pitcher for the Twins, Bailey Ober, was stellar, but he only pitched four innings for some reason, and I couldn't find if he was injured or something to, the, to that effect. In any case, uh, coming in to relieve him was Caleb uh, Tealbar, I believe that is, and then Alex Colome. They both allowed um, the two runs to score, one apiece from Tealbar and Colome. The Twins do avoid getting swept. They scored early against Chef by jumping on the fastball and taking advantage of balls left out over the plate. 7-2 final. Tampa Bay Rays come in for a four-game series beginning tonight. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to today's Trivia Corner. And as promised, kind of unusual to bring somebody in mid-segment. But here is Locked On Mariners contributor, John Miller. John, I've never introduced you like that before. How are you doing today? (laughs) I am doing well. So good to be here. Thank you very much. And uh, we have a hall pass today, which is kind of why I brought you in um, at at this time. And my friend Riley's birthday is today, ladies and gentlemen. So happy birthday, Riley. That reminds me, I should text her after the show because I haven't haven't done that yet. So I started looking over the, the birthday, the baseball birthdays as well. And I found one interesting one. So he is the subject of today's hall pass. The gentleman is celebrating a birthday today. He had a 19-year career as a middle infielder in the 1970s and 80s. He has a 267, 322, 357 slash line. 
Remember the era, ladies and gentlemen. Those were good numbers for a middle infielder at the time. Today, not so much. But he did accumulate 2,326 hits. 389 of them were doubles. 48 triples. 101 home runs. Not a big power guy. 950 runs driven in, however. And 321 stolen bases. He never led the league in any offensive category. But he was a nine-time All-Star. He won two Silver Slugger Awards, which is a testament to you know the, the era being so different when you're looking at offensive numbers. He also won five Gold Glove Awards and received MVP votes in three different seasons, placing as high as fourth. Are those Hall of Fame credentials in your eyes, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you exactly who it is after this word from Wealthfront. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds just aren't in your favor if you're doing it alone, gang. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you, and in mere minutes, no less. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day, unless it's something you enjoy. I kind of like to keep an eye on it myself. But Wealthfront automatically handles all the investing uh, for you based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help lower the cost of taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it is automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first 5000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. All you need to get started is 500 simoleons. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first 5000 smackers managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB to get started today. And the Hall Pass subject, happy birthday to this man once again. John, do you think those are Hall of Fame numbers? For a middle infielder in the 1970s and 80s, and you said five gold glove awards? Yes, sir, five gold gloves. I think that guy definitely needs to be looked at by the Veterans Committee. Ooh, Veterans Committee guy. That is an interesting uh, interesting way to bring that up. He stuck around all 15 years on the ballot, but never managed to get above about 16 or so percent. His high was uh, 16.9% in 1998. He is also an All-Star Game MVP. Any idea who this might be, John? Uh, I have one question for you. Yes, sir. Was this guy a part of the Big Red Machine? <laughs> yes, he was. Well, since the other middle infielder part of the Big Red Machine <laughs> is already in the Hall of Fame, yeah. I'm going to guess Dave Concepcion. As I take a sip of water, that is absolutely correct, sir. Dave Concepcion. Happy 73rd birthday to Dave Concepcion today. Yes, thank you very much. And, you know, those numbers, very, very good for the era. And stuck around all 15 years on the Hall of Fame ballot. It's now 10 years of eligibility, but back then it was 15 years of eligibility and never managed to crack, you know, 16.9%. Like I said, he was at 16.2% in his final year in 2008, but anybody who sticks around all 15 years or now all 10 years has to be proud of their career. Yes, John? Oh, definitely. 
Absolutely. It's an accomplishment in and of itself. Coming up, John and I try to figure out what the heck we're going to talk about while I eat an entire bag of Tim's potato chips, sour cream and onion. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey Martin. We are back here with Locked On Mariners contributor John Miller for segment two on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Part of the... Now, we're not going to go through the the introduction again. But, uh, John, as I'm looking through the uh, This Day in Baseball page, as it were, for June 17th on Baseball Reference Bullpen, there were quite a few things that kind of jumped out at me, as it were. Um, Darren Erstad had his 100th hit of the season in 2000 on this date in 2000, becoming the fastest to get there since 1934. One of my favorite players. Another thing that happened, John, on this date in 1993, and this didn't happen on the field, but there, we'll talk about two things maybe in 1993. The baseball owners, and I'm, I'll quote baseball reference so I don't have to paraphrase. Quote, baseball owners vote overwhelmingly 26-2 to in favor of, of expanding the playoffs for the first time since 1969. The new system, which is set to begin in 1994, will double the number of teams that qualify for, uh, for the postseason to eight by realigning each league to three divisions with two teams qualifying as wild cards. The 1994 strike will delay its implementation by one year, however, and quote. You might have a little bit of a different perspective on this than I do, even though we are roughly the same age. We're within nine months of each other. I didn't really start paying attention to baseball until the end of the 1995 season when this um, system was already in place. What are, do you have any, I think it was a good thing. I mean, baseball had gone through, uh, just gone through an expansion in 1993, and there were 14 teams in each league. And there was an impending expansion that was going to happen in 1998. And with only two teams from each league making the playoffs at that time, seemed a little low to me. I mean, I don't like the proposed expanded playoffs that they have today because where half the league makes it. I think that's ridiculous. But I think this was a good thing and brought some more excitement along with the wild card berth. What are your thoughts on that, John? Because I know, I know people who are not in favor of this and want to go back to the two divisions. I definitely agree with you, and I, as you look at the record book at the standings each year, mm-hmm. you see that, okay, there's only eight teams in each league, the 16 teams total going way back. Okay, that's fine. I can kind of understand how only one team makes it, but then only they expand it and two teams from each league. Mm-hmm. But then as you're expanding it, and you, you now have 28 teams that just, it seems honestly like a waste. Like you've got either too many teams or you have to expand the playoffs. And with the league expansion, it becomes almost inevitable that you have to have that, have to have more competition, something to for the teams to compete for and something to get the fans out there, get them behind their team. Because otherwise, like, okay, well, we've lost and we that's just what our team does. And then, then you only get the diehards out there. You're not getting the fans out that there. You're not getting the the money from the television or from souvenirs or in other sorts of revenue like that. And, and your team just kind of languishes there. 
Yeah, I mean, all those points are are very, very apropos. When the league did expand the playoffs for the first time uh, in 1969, that was an expansion year. Four teams were added to Major League Baseball, two in each league. Expansion had to be inevitable at that point. And that's also when baseball instituted divisional play with the West and an East division. And again, with the um, league expanding again in not only 1993, but 1977 prior to that, you know, it just it just made too much sense. I want to know who the two owners who voted against that were. I'm guessing George Steinbrenner might have been one of them, just because based on his history and whatnot. But I'm not exactly sure. But I am curious as to who the you know who the two are. What are your thoughts on what baseball is proposing for um, to expand the playoffs? What they want to do with it in, uh, in coming up in the near future? basically half the team making the playoffs, half the teams making the playoffs, pardon me. That just strikes me as an overreach. It just strikes me as too much. Why would anybody watch regular season baseball? Why don't they just wait until the playoffs when all the crappy teams have been weeded out, like the NBA? In which case, why wouldn't you then shorten the season to make the playoffs longer because you don't want to be playing baseball in... November or closer to Thanksgiving mm-hmm. in certain parts of the states where it's freezing, we're going to be snowed out, and that's just no fun <laughs> for pretty much anybody. And people, we're just, just kind of enduring it at that point. You want so to try to play a World season, Series game in November in Boston or Minneapolis? I don't think so. <laughs> no, so maybe shorten the season to 144 games, right. and then you can have the expanded playoffs. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, I do not like the pl- the current playoff structure. Having two wild card teams, I don't like it at all. Okay, I think it's too much. And if we're going to expand that and have half the American League and the National League making it, what we're going to end up with is what we've seen in the National Basketball Association, the NBA, mm-hmm. for quite some time, mm-hmm. where you will have teams that are well below 500. Yeah. that are making it and might by a fluke the the football phrase would be any given sunday where they just <laughs> they happen to catch it right and win enough games and make it to say the ALCS and when by all rights they have no business being there it happened last year almost in the you know abbreviated season as it were where they did have the expanded playoffs and by and large the Astros were they I don't remember if they were just slightly over 500 or slightly beneath 500 but they were not a playoff caliber team and they nearly made the World Series and it had to be the Astros of all teams but any team that's just mediocre has no business in the playoffs because if they happen to catch fire at the right time which could happen to anybody it could happen to a team that won 60 games honestly if they catch fire at the right time and go on a hot streak during the playoffs, they could ride that to the end, and to me, that just seems ridiculous, John. Well, yeah, we we've kind of already seen that, and uh, to go back to my NBA reference, we saw that in the '90s when the number eighteen, there were eight teams. Yes, yes. And the number one team was the Seattle SuperSonics. The number eight team was the Denver Nuggets, and their big star was Hall of Fame center Dikembe Mutombo. Ah. Well, the Nuggets got hot, and they the number eight team beat the number one team. That was the first time that had ever happened. That's your any given Sunday scenario. That's the any given Sunday. 
Yep. Where somehow they just got it right and got enough points here and there. And we've already seen something like this in Major League Baseball. We have. The World Series of a few years ago between San Francisco Giants and the Kansas City Royals. I believe it was 2014. That sounds right, yes. Where both of those teams were wild card teams. <laughs> And they both made it to the World Series, and but they did it right. They apparently followed the script because that series went seven games, and it really came down to one pitch either way, and Kansas City could have won it. Yeah, I mean that that if memory serves, that was a very good World Series. If that if memory serves, that was the Madison Bumgarner World Series, was it not? I believe it was the Mad Bum. Yes. Yes. Um, I kind of have to disagree with you about the two wild cards in each league. This might be the first time we're disagreeing on the air, by the way. This is a momentous occasion here <laughs> on Locked On Mariners because we generally do have the same opinions. But the reason I think it's a good thing is because it places more of an emphasis on winning the division, which I kind of felt was lost a little bit when the wild card was implemented. Because the two wild card teams, they're not treated like regular playoff teams. They have to buy their way into the regular playoffs. And I think putting any emphasis back on winning the division can't be a bad thing. But I also see your point too, John. Well, and that's where I do like the one wild card. Yeah. Because it, it drives me crazy looking at the standings from years back, and you will see the New York Yankees winning 100 and some games, mm-hmm. and then the Detroit Tigers winning 98 or 100 games. A great team. Yep. And that's it. They don't make it to the playoffs. They don't get <laughs> anything out of it. They don't get a chance at the World Series. They're just done. <laughs> and seeing something like that just drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean... it. In a sense, it does seem rather unfair. I bet I could find some great examples with um, the 1993 and before playoff structure. And I'm going to look to see if I can't find one during the impending break. But before that happens, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question or a comment, please send it to LockedOnMarriers at gmail.com. I will reply to it in a future mailbag segment. One's going to be happening on Tuesday, probably, since there's no game on Monday to recap. Questions and comments on any subject whatsoever are highly encouraged. Does not have anything to doesn't have any does does not have to have anything to do with the Mariners. You can talk about how I can't talk or something to that effect. But in any case, lockedonmariners at gmail.com is the address to send those things. Coming up, is Jerry DePoto debuting on QVC this weekend, selling his very own line of activewear? No, no, he isn't, but I'd buy it. I bet it would be fantastic. But first, this word from Bet Online. Your online, uh, let's see, where is Bet Online? That's not Bet Online. There it is. Bet Online's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, gang. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, hey, hey, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams teams prep for their runs to the playoffs on June 17th. Head over to the website or or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. I don't know why I read it so fast either, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe I'll read the, the ad for Rock Auto just a little slower. 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specs, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I don't see a reason to do that, gang, so go on over to rockauto.com right at this exact moment to see all the parts available for your car, truck, van, SUV, or crossover. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Welcome back to Locked On Mariners. Here once again is your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you again, J.M. We are back here one final time today with uh, Locked On Mariners contributor John Miller. He will be back on this program tomorrow as the guest host. Yes, he's filling in for me tomorrow once again. Thank you for uh, being able to do that, John. We both looked up some standings from, you know, several years ago when it was just two teams making the playoffs, and we both found examples where there were teams with great win totals who didn't make it, and I will let you state your example first. I believe you had 1987. Yes, I I pulled that up, and right away you see in the American League East, the Detroit Tigers won the division with a 98-64 and record. Mm -hmm. Right behind them, the Toronto Blue Jays are 96-66, and and then the Milwaukee Brewers are 91-71. Neither one of those teams made it anywhere or got anything for their efforts. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't realize the Milwaukee Brewers of 1987, uh, John, were that good, quite honestly. I don't remember. I remember that kind of being a downtime in their history. Obviously, it was not. It does not appear that way. No. Maybe we'll talk about the 87 Brewers in just a, in just a second, or maybe not. I found 1993, and they're, you know, in the National League, the Philadelphia Phillies, who people were picking to finish last behind the expansion Marlins, they were 97 and 65 and they won the National League East at 97 and 65. The Western Division was won by the Atlanta Braves with 104 and 58. The San Francisco Giants won 103 games. So they're one game behind the division winning Braves, <laughs> but they still finish, you know, quite a bit ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies who won 97 games and that I don't want to use the word travesty, but that doesn't seem right, John, either, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. And it's all just arbitrarily based on where you, your team happens to be geographically. Sort of. I mean, the Atlanta Braves were in the West, as I just said. What were the, Bra- what were the Braves doing? That's kind of a rhetorical question, because I think they were the Milwaukee Braves when divisional play was instituted, and that's why the Atlanta Braves remained in the Western Division. But when the divisions were realigned, Atlanta went to the East, you know, where they where they uh, geographically are. And it, I don't know how to put this quite into words, John, but if it was based totally on geography even, then the Giants would have won and the Braves would have beat the Phillies. Yeah, and, and that would, based on their records, would seem to make more sense. 
that, which leads me to wonder what the heck happened to the National League Championship Series, which the Phillies won over the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Kim Batiste was a hero in game one or two. He passed away uh, recently. Uh, Kurt Schilling, I believe, had a good uh, game. Dave Hollins, if I recall, had a good series, who uh, went on to play with the Mariners. And this was the era, John, where the Braves were just curb stomping everyone. They had just signed Greg Maddox as a free agent, and they already had John Smoltz and Tom Glavitt in their rotation, not to mention Steve Avery, who later had arm problems and didn't have the career of the other three Hall of Famers I mentioned. Those Braves teams of that era, some of my favorites. They they were just so incredibly good. The chemistry, the talent they had, the the management all the way around w- was focused on winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually a good point to bring up. Their general manager, who was hired after the 1990 season, I want to say, or maybe after the 1989 season, John Sherholtz, who was the manage- general manager, pardon me, of the Kansas City Royals when they were very good in the mid 80s, and Braves ownership tasked him with making the Royals of the East. And that's basically what he did. Because offensively, they weren't spectacular. They did have players like David Justice who could hit the ball out of the ballpark as a great RBI guy. They signed Sid Bream as a free agent towards the end of his career. And they had Terry Pendleton, who was the 1991 National League MVP. And they had slugger Ron Gant. But it was mostly the Mark Lemkes of the world who were very good role players, played solid defense, would move the runner over. Uh, Jeff Blauser, although he wasn't uh, as... He was a better hitter in some regards as Mark Lemke was. But he didn't do the little things as well as Mr. Lemke did. Few guys did. And Otis Nixon at the top of the lineup leading things off. And uh, Deion Sanders as well. And they acquire Fred McGriff halfway through the 1993 season, who for my money is a Hall of Famer. And that's in addition to this historically good pitching staff who were so great you almost can't put it into words, John. Uh, yeah, that is is very much correct. They had something just with the gift of pitching they had and the coaches. And uh, as you were talking, I was being struck by the fact that e- even if you don't count, uh, and I, I agree with you that Fred McGriff is a Hall of Famer. Right. But this team had six Hall of Famers oh, man. somewhere, starting with their, their general manager, John Sherholtz. Yes, and then their manager, Bobby Cox. One of the best. Yes. They had, uh, he had just started out a very young Chipper Jones. Mm-hmm, yep. He only played eight games, but still he was there getting his start. And, and he was a key from pitch. 1995 onwards. He had a great World Series in 1995. Yes. And, and then that pitching trio that is just unbeatable, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and John Smoltz. It's almost unfair. <laughs> oh, man. Greg Maddox might be my... Greg Maddox might be my favorite pitcher. I loved watching him pitch. I love how he got it done. Because from a pure stuff standpoint, maybe falls a little short. But my goodness, he knew what to do with it. And that was just so important. Well, and, and that's where you say his stuff might fall short, 
but the man had 355 wins. He had so for someone who may have fallen short. He was possibly the best modern day pitcher. Yeah, in in the truest sense of the word, and he went through a two season stretch, ladies and gentlemen, where his earned run average was one six zero. That's over two full seasons, fifty three starts, four hundred eleven and two thirds innings pitched, one six zero earned run average, only six point five hits per nine innings, only a third of a home run per nine innings and 1.2 walks per nine innings and 7.4 strikeouts per nine innings which back then was actually on the really good side not spectacular but very good and today that would be bad that also goes to show you just how much pitching has changed over the years Pitchers today are striking out so many more batters now than they were back then, which is a completely different conversation that we could have for another time. But Greg Maddox, 1994 earned run average, 156. 1995 earned run average, 163. Okay, those were both strike shortened seasons, but 25 starts in 1994, 28 starts in 1995, and he still pitches to a 160 ERA over those seasons. Again, words just, you can't put into words just how spectacular that was, especially considering that offensive era. Yeah, the power was really beginning to pick up. And when you see a pitcher like this who wasn't giving up runs yet was not a power pitcher, right? Y- you have to wonder how he did it. <laughs> it was, uh, I can kind of answer that. It was with location and moving the ball inside and outside, knowing the hitters. But he also had such good movement on his pitches, and he was, in that sense, a little deceptive, and he kept the ball in the ballpark. Again, for his career, 0.6 home runs per nine innings over his career, and that's over 5,000 innings pitched. And over those 5,000-plus innings, 1.8 walks per nine innings, fewer than two walks per nine innings, in 5,008 and a third innings. That almost blows my mind. That's just out of this world spectacular. That is astounding. The man had fantastic control to get the ball where he wanted. Yeah, and one of the smarter pitchers of his day as well. But uh, we rambled on a little bit too much, John, and we got to wrap this up. Where can the nice folks find you on Twitter? I can be found on Twitter at SeattlePilot69. Thank you very much. Uh, I was going to talk about tomorrow's uh, tonight's pitching matchup. We don't have time for that now, but uh, you'll be recapping tonight's game on tomorrow's episode. John, I thank you once again for being uh, willing and able to fill in for me. My guests on this program next week include Ricky Ricardo, Curious George, and a Tam O'Shanter. Also, a special <laughs> musical performance. <laughs> also, a special musical performance by violin virtuoso Yasha Heifetz. That'll be fun, ladies and gentlemen. So, download and follow the uh, Locked On Manners. Look for us on any podcasting app you can think of. Leave a rating and review if your podcasting app of choice so allows. Yes, Yasha Heifetz, ladies and gentlemen. I am DC Lundberg. Uh, thanking you for listening once again as my tongue is tied. I'm going to get out of here. John, I'm so glad you're hosting tomorrow because I don't know if I can do it. (laughs) Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski will keep you updated on the latest news in every major sport with Locked On's team of local experts. 
Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.